On today's show, we'll be joined by weekly co-host Ali Khan Bijani to discuss the latest in the K.J. Martin and Eric Gordon trade rumor saga. Is K.J. Martin still unhappy that he doesn't have a bigger role here in Houston? And how much of a mistake would it be to not give a bigger role to K.J. Martin because Eric Gordon is still starting at the three spot? Also, we take a look at just how impressive the Houston Rockets defense has been late in games this season, spearheaded by none other than Jabari Smith. Smith Jr. All of that and more today on Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control Houston. Ignition sequence start. The Houston Rockets select Jalen Green and Jabari Smith Jr. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. You're getting somebody who's going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, somebody who's going to come, come in and compete from day one. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Lockdown Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian, a credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays, host of the State of the Rockets podcast, as well as Rockets Watch. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Lockdown Rockets, free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, where you can help the show out tremendously by commenting anything below. Joining us now is your weekly co-host, Ali Khan Bijani. You can follow on Twitter at Rockets underscore Insider. And just a couple days after the Shamsharania report about the Rockets' potential three-team deal involving the Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks and the rumors surrounding Eric Gordon and KJ Martin and their potential futures in Houston, we have another report coming out from Eric Pincus of Bleacher Report discussing KJ Martin and another one uh, yeah just right just I need a DJ Khaled drop on the soundboard and just we'll we'll fire another one there we go yeah that's 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 gonna that'll that'll do for now but let's take a look at what Eric Pink has had to say about KJ Martin and his role here in Houston uh per Eric Pincus of Bleacher Report forward KJ Martin has also hoped to be moved to a team that can give him a more significant role his minutes have climbed in Houston this season but multiple sources believe he still wants out this is also in conjunction with the fact that the Rockets have been actively shopping uh, Eric Gordon for a couple seasons looking for a first-round pick. Pincus goes on to say both players have favorable contracts. Eric Gordon, basically, effectively an expiring deal. Next year is a non-guaranteed $21 million contract. And then K.J. Martin has a team option at the end of the season as well. So, Ali Khan, kind of, let's start at the top here before we maybe backtrack a little bit and also go back to the Shams report looking at K.J. But... I feel so like what like what role would KJ suddenly have like on a team like the Suns that isn't going to be equivalent to the role that he has here in Houston? I feel like he's getting an I feel like he's getting enough minutes in Houston and I feel like this this reporting may be a little off base here. Um comp- 100% respect Eric and so if Eric is putting out something out there, you know, he he's well respected. He's in, he's been in the business for a long time. So, you know, it's something that opens your eyes a little bit, right? But I have to look at it from the perspective of what is going on right now with this Rockets team that could lead that could lead you to believe that KJ is unhappy. Um, let's let's look at the numbers, Jackson, shall we? Last four games. The Rockets are three and one. The most minutes KJ or 
the 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 highest number of minutes KJ's played in those four games is 21 minutes, almost 22 minutes in a win against Milwaukee on December 11th. Before that, he was playing up to 28, 30 minutes a night. He was starting some of those games too, right? Against Golden State when he started for Eric, when Eric was resting, he had 28 minutes in that loss to Golden State. But he he played pretty well, 5 of 11, 0 of 3 from 3, but 5 of 8 inside the three-point line. He had seven rebounds. I mean, he, he, he is somebody who ideally gives you a jolt. He, he, he's been playing well as a starter, giving you plus minutes. Um, but, you know, it, it comes down to can you can you make him your full-time starter? Is he somebody who's going to shoot well enough right now? We, we, all, we can talk about moving without the basketball. You and I have talked about it extensively. I'm very high on him in terms of his cutting ability, what he does when you play him next to Shangun, how he can complement Jabari Smith extremely well. How his screen and roll ability, how he's one of the best screeners on the team. I mean, I can go on and on. But it's going to come down to in that starting unit, can you shoot the basketball? That three has to be able to shoot the ball, right? Because they're they're doing a pretty good job of rebounding overall. Let me give you his shooting numbers. Over the past 15 games, he's only hit seven threes. And he's shooting 25%. First 12 games of the season, he hit 16 threes on almost 36, 37% from, uh, from three-point line. So... His three-point shooting has gone down, okay? He's shooting 54% from the floor, much better when he's around the rim. He's 13th in the NBA in dunks. You know, so, you know, he, he's much better in the paint. Is he going to get those same paint opportunities if he's playing with the starting unit where teams are playing off of him? He's having to cut, he's having to do all these things. Now, film shows me that he can do it and that he'll get those, he'll get those, movements he'll get those cuts and he'll be able to score inside but it's allowed Jalen to flourish allow Alpi to flourish allow Jabari to flourish my question to you is is it better to have him as a starter or is it better to have Eric Gordon or another shooter as a starter you know we've God, we've had this I feel like we've had this conversation so many times this season uh, you know about the three spot and what those guys bring to the table and I do agree the shooting has taken a a concerning dip for KJ, right? There was a while there where it looked like, oh, hey, KJ's actually got, you know, 36, 37%. 35% is good. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. But he's down to 32% for the season. As you said, you know, sub 30%, what is 25% over the last 10, 15 games. Um, So I don't necessarily think that, I think KJ is a better shooter than his numbers would suggest at this point. Agree, agree. Um, And I do think that he gives that that jolt that you talk about him giving I think that is a much needed thing that this starting lineup like is in desperate need of right is just having just a a a facelift a change whatever you want to call it because Eric is good at the things that he's good at and he provides this team you know he gives them spacing he gives them a lot of bailout opportunities but this team is basically running Three shooting guards in the starting lineup, Alicon. Like that, they're they're all so duplicative of one another. They're all bucket getters. They're all guys who can you know attack off a closeout and who can you know shoot the ball. They can they can generate their own offense. They can semi create offense for other guys at times. But I feel like when you plug KJ into that starting lineup, one, you get bigger. You add more size. You add more defensive. I think defensive versatility. Maybe Eric is a good defender when he wants to be and when he's locked in, but. How many times, Alicon, this season have you seen Eric actually be locked in defensively, right? Like, 
it hasn't looked great for much of this season. And I think now it's kind of at a point where even offensively, Eric doesn't give you much more than he's going to space the floor. He's going to you know be all the way out 25, 26 feet away from the rim. He's going to give you opportunities where he'll bail you out at the end of the clock. But KJ gives you a guy, another connector piece offensively, right? We've talked about Kelly Eco had the fantastic article for The Athletic talking about KJ as a connector offensively and as a connector defensively. And that's something that KJ gives you that I don't think Eric gives you at this point. Where the numbers where the numbers don't show. And I'll give you another yeah. example, Jackson, of that. Eric Gordon's a plus 36 during this current five-game home winning streak. Plus 36. So that would lead to me believe that you should be playing him as a starter, right? He's attempted 10-plus field goal percentages in a season-high four straight games. He's shooting 38%, 38.7% from the field, 30% from three over the last seven games. So he is struggling shooting the ball too. Now, that goes back to it. Which numbers do you believe? Do you believe the plus 36 here, or do you believe KJ, even though he's not doing as well in the plus, plus 36, uh, I mean the plus or minus department, can he allow you to be successful as that starter? Personally, I've tweeted this out there. KJ is a starter to me. He should be playing starter minutes. And it also comes back to it, Eric Gordon. Do you bring him off the bench? I don't think he's going to come off the bench. I don't think he wants to come off the bench. I think he does. He's he's a starter. That's what he is in this league. Unless he goes to a different team, and it goes back to our conversation that Shams reported a few days ago. Is it time to move on from Eric Gordon? And at that point, I mean, what does that what does that even look like if you're the Houston Rockets, the ability to try and move on from Eric Gordon? Or, you know, again, this this could be kind of this is a crossroads maybe for the organization, because if you have a player who is unhappy in KJ Martin, which we can we're going to talk about kind of some of the 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 reporting there. And I I think maybe some of that might be lingering after effects from some of the reporting from this past offseason. But if if KJ is unhappy with his role and you are you know, not giving him a bigger role because of the veteran in front of him in the lineup. How do you resolve that that predicament? We're going to talk about that, but first, today's episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN helps protect your privacy and security online, but here's something you might not know. You can also use ExpressVPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. Maybe you've run out of stuff to watch on Netflix. This will absolutely change your world. ExpressVPN allows you to binge watch whatever you want from another country's Netflix library. Just fire up ExpressVPN, change the location to the UK or whatever other country you want to, refresh Netflix, and that's it. ExpressVPN lets you control where you want sites to think that you're located you can choose from almost a hundred different countries so just imagine all the different netflix libraries that you can go through so if you want to get access to hundreds of new shows go to expressvpn.com slash locked on right now and you can get an extra three months of expressvpn for free that's expressvpn.com slash locked on expressvpn.com slash locked on to learn more today's episode is also brought to you by nhtsa look You're hanging out with some friends, putting back a few drinks. We've all been there, right? A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you're thinking of calling for a ride, but then you realize, nah, you live nearby. You know, you can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyways, right? And even so, what's the worst that could happen, right? Maybe your insurance goes up. You lose your license, lose your job. Maybe total your car. Maybe you kill someone. 
Look, everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's life forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, we kind of hash out there in the first segment some of the, you know, potential pros, cons to, you know, starting Eric versus starting KJ. And this has been an ongoing debate, you know, for the pretty much feels like the entire season for Rockets fans. Ali Khan, I'm at a point, though, where especially looking at this report, right, and I you know, I wonder, I, I do agree, right? Eric Pincus has been, you know, in NBA circles. He's got sources. He's a credible reporter. I don't think he's reporting on something that is untrue. But at the same time, we can go back to, like, the offseason, and we know that, like, a big part of, like, the unhappiness in K.J. Martin's role was, like, his, his K, you know, Kenny Martin Sr., like, being unhappy with his son's role for the Rockets, right? Like, he wants the best possible role for his son moving forward. He want, Of course, he would want his son to be, like, a starter and have, you know, big minutes and all this. So I look at that, though, and think if you're the Houston Rockets and you've got a player of KJ's caliber who has shown the production that he has, but you you are potentially on the risk of, like, upsetting him or, you know, he wants a different situation, whatever, because you are holding on to a guy in Eric Gordon. I just wonder at what point does at what point has Eric Gordon served his purpose is where I'm getting at with this organization, right? Because now you're starting to look at some of the negative side effects of keeping a guy like EG who at this point may not even be able to fetch you fetch you a first rounder. Um I think the Rockets would be just super lucky. If they got a first on the table for Eric Gordon at this point, you take that first and you run and you're just done. You're gone. But you know how do you do you view this as detrimental at all? Or do you think that KJ is maybe like depending on this reporting, I mean, is he overstepping his bounds as like a third year player to want a bigger role at this point? First of all, to channel my inner Eric Gordon on 2K and in real life. Jackson, you did a great job tonight. Offensive and defensive end. You did a terrific job. Oh my. Someone called the National Weather Service. We had an unanticipated storm in the building tonight. It's my Eric 2K drop. <laughs> oh my goodness! Let, let me tell you, Eric. Uh, Eric got some good skills, man. He got some good voiceover skills. But you know, to to answer your question, I, I get why Eric is starting from a schematic perspective. I I hundred percent get it. I get it from a off the court perspective. Hundred percent get it. But when you're molding a team, and you're going into an off season where you're potentially going to have a top. I mean, we don't know where the Rockets are going to finish. Maybe they keep winning games. Maybe they don't. But between a top one to seven to eight draft pick, right? If that's going to happen, you're adding somebody else to your young core who's going to need additional playing time. You may have a second additional first round pick. Where, where are those minutes going to go? I think I think it's I think it's time to start figuring out, especially for your third year guys, what you have in them before you make the move. Let KJ start. See how he does next to Jabari and Alper and Shangun if LP is your starting center. If he's not, put Jabari at the five because he's been playing much better in drop coverage and as a five. Put KJ at the four because KJ plays better when he's at the four. And fi- and and maybe put Jay Sean when he comes back at the three. I mean, that's probably not the best for spacing. But do, do things where you're giving others a chance to- to be successful. Do you really just suggest a lineup with like negative spacing value? What are you doing? <laughs> Who are you and what have you done with Alicon? No. 
Hey, you know, it, the whole thing about the Rockets needing a point guard is very interesting because Aragorn is not a point guard. And if he's not going to help you run your offense effectively and get it in order, right? He First, I think Eric Gordon does a lot of for you, right? Like I said, schematically and all these different things. But if he's he's not going to help you well, get everything set up and doing all these things. No, but there, but, but there's but there's moments where Eric does like run like a good pick and roller. Eric makes the right read like against the with Suns. The bench, with the where... bench, right? But what I'm saying with the starting unit, like, look. That's fair, we, yeah. We, we talked about the numbers on last week's show. Eric and Al P run a fantastic dribble handoff game together. It's one, it's one of the best points per possession, team points per possession on the team, right? We talked about that last week. So I'm not knocking Eric here. What I'm saying is I think it's important to understand what you have with KJ in the starting lineup because you see what he's doing off the bench. You see how he's playing well with some of those starters. I think his chemistry with Jalen Green is fantastic because what Jalen does, Jalen likes to go downhill. KJ likes to also go downhill. So teams are kind of in a little bind. Do we hedge or do we play drop? What what do we do with Jalen? You know, do we force him to his weak hand? All that's going on. They're trying to focus on Jalen. KJ's so good at facing his back towards the ball handler and putting his putting his face towards the basket and literally going north to south off the screen, north to south. So it's really easy for a ball handler to be able to guide the ball to him and for him to be able to go for a dunk, which he's one of the league leaders in. So it, it just makes a lot of sense for me, for him, especially as a screener, when you're not using Jabari as a screener already. You're using Alpi as more of a connector. Use KJ as a connector too, but use him as a screener. Kind of go back into that offense where you're running a side to side. If you have a three who's able to do that and do those things, I think it's really important for you. And I think it's worth a shot for you to be able to explore and see what happens. And it just it, it just kind of comes down to the fact that you know Eric is not a long-term fixture of this organization, right? He's... I apologize. He has been a long-term fixture of this organization. He is not a future fixture of this organization, right? Eric is not going to be here three, four years from now as a starter, as a, as a you know an integral piece of whatever the Rockets are trying to currently build up right now. And I do understand, and, and you know, per Eric Pincus in the in the article, right, basically the the line that offers a little bit of uh, you know reassurance is the Rockets won't make a deal that they don't like. But I think that's partially some of my concern is that they've been so potentially kind of picky on a deal for Eric Gordon up to this point that that ship may have sailed on being able to secure a first round draft pick for EG. And then that is directly kind of, you know, holding you hostage as far as the way that you distribute minutes across the season, right? Like it would be Alicon, what would they even be doing right now? If Jay Sean Tate was healthy and active, like what would the rotations even look like? Would they be running question. a, would they be running a 12, 13 man rotation with all the wings on the roster getting 15 minutes a night? If that, um, so it, it's just gotten to a point where you've got to start kind of consolidating your assets and figuring out what you have. But as far as assets go, I would hate to see KJ Martin be the guy that gets moved on from given the production that we've seen, given what we've seen out of him in the flashes where he has been a starter or even just his production off the bench. It doesn't make sense to have him be the guy that you move on from because look, I mean, there's not enough space for him. Look, I, I'm not saying KJ Martin is a superstar. I'm not saying he's a star. I'm not saying he's like a bona fide, like, premier starter in this league when I think he's a good role player and he fits well with the young guys you're trying to develop with. And it's worth, it's worth giving him a shot to see what he does. I think a good comparison, and I, this may be blown out of proportion by people in the YouTube comments or Twitter or any social media. When they hear this, I like to think of KJ Morton as Dwight Powell for the Mavericks. He can kind of morph into that role. Dwight Powell is a guy who 
just plays his role and has played his role well with the superstar that's there, has played his role when the superstar is not there. Just he plays his role. He knows what he's doing. He can be that connector off the bench as a starter. You can plug him in and he can be successful either or. I think it'd be great if KJ Martin develops into that because I think you need that kind of big that what I think of it is like, you know how you have your starting lineup in football, your starting offensive line, you have two, two tackles, right? Left tackle and a right tackle. Then you have a swing tackle, right? You can plug and chug depending on what's going on. Think you have your four and your five, ideally, right? You have Jabari Smith and you have Alper and Shangun. What if KJ Martin is that guy? who can plug in for either or or play alongside them when one of them is having an off night. I think if that's your case and that's your trio, then you have Usman Gruba also playing some ex- exceptional minutes off the bench as a five defensively. I, I, I think it's worth a shot to give those guys a chance at their rotation. Right? No, no so, mention of Bruno Fernando, I see. Lob threat. Was that Steven Silas? That was Steven Silas. Good friend of the show. Lob threat. <laughs> KJ Martin wasn't ready for that one. KJ Martin's also a lob threat, but he is lob threat. I want to hear it one more time. Lob threat. <laughs> no, but I and, and and I agree with you, right? I think there's there's a lot of versatility that KJ Martin brings to the table, and it just it, it's disappointing, I guess, at this point that this conversation is even having to be had as far as a young because teams have to make hard decisions, right? Teams that are in the midst of a rebuild have to make hard decisions on young players, right? And sometimes you make the wrong decision, right? How many times have we seen a team move on from a guy and he gets to another organization, another coaching staff, whatever, and he looks fantastic, right? Because he just wasn't given a fair shoot. Bol Bol's doing it right now with the Magic this season, right? Like Bol Bol, Isaiah Hardenstein. There you go, Isaiah Hardenstein, another one, right? Guys consistently are, you know, they either don't get a fair shake or they're just in the wrong system or they're not being utilized the right way. And then they go to another organization, they look incredible, right? To your point, I don't think KJ Martin goes to another organization and turns into like an all-star, but he has shown enough that this Rockets organization at this point should probably, needs to probably prioritize opening up those minutes, not only just for KJ, but all the subsequent dominoes that fall thereafter, right? Jay Sean Tate, when he comes back from injury, Tari Eason, who is, who has been incredible and is a, you know, looks like the steal of the draft needs those minutes, right? Jabari Smith Jr., who it plays, you know, at the four primarily, but can also potentially slot into the three, right? And his minutes directly correlate with some of the other guys yeah. who play those wing minutes. How so, big of a problem is this wing, wing minutes problem? Jackson, there was a game a, f- uh, a week or two ago where Tari was playing extremely well. I think he had like 17 points going into the fourth quarter in the fourth quarter, and he got taken out, and they finished the game without Tari Eason. Now, when Jay Sean comes back, you're going to have Tari, you're going to have Jay Sean, you're going to have Jabari, you're going to have KJ, you're going to have Usman, you're going to have Alp. Who, who closes? Who closes the game? Yeah, and and who closes the game is, is a really important question, and trying to figure out what closing lineups actually work for this Rockets team. But on that note of who closes the actual game, that's something that we want to talk about here in the final segment, because one of the positives, especially after my last, I'll be completely like doom and gloom episode uh, after the Suns win. One of the positives for this young Rockets team is they've actually been really good in the clutch this season, closing out games. And that is a great sign for a young group of guys. So we're going to talk about how the Rockets have closed out games. We're going to take a look back at that really big time win against the Milwaukee Bucks. Some of the play from Jabari Smith Jr. in that game. But first, a quick message from my friends over at Built Bar. 
When it comes to protein bars, you've got to check out Built Bar. They are the number one protein bar on the market. And guess what? They've got so many new reimagined flavors heading into the holiday season. They've got cookie dough topper, coconut brownie bar, coconut brownie topper, white chocolate, peppermint granola. So many incredible flavors to choose from. Every single bar is low-cal, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. Amazing if you're trying to cut back a little bit, maybe lose a little bit of weight. Amazing if you're on a keto diet. Every single bar is coated in 100% delicious chocolate. They're not gritty or chalky like other protein bars out there on the market. And right now you can place an order and get 15% off your order right now by using promo code LOCKEDON15 at built.com. That's promo code LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off at built.com. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, Alec, how we mentioned there at the end of segment two, closing lineups, right? And closing out games. And that's been a bit of a learning experience for this young Rockets team. And this season especially, it feels like they have grown quite a bit in that regard. In in actually Mm -hmm. staying competitive down the stretch of games, really fighting hard. There have been a lot of really close competitive games this season where you really thought, oh, wow, the Rockets were like in that game all the way up until the very end. And you know, maybe some, some, you know, young mistakes, whatever. And, you know, a couple 50, 50 balls don't don't go their way. What have you, the Rockets this season are actually, they've played 14 games that technically qualify for clutch time minutes. Okay. Um, it's pretty good. Pretty good. Across those 14 games, they're actually 500. They're seven and seven. So seven of their nine wins have qualified for being, uh, and and what clutch time minutes refers to, right. Is games that are, uh, within five points, in the final five minutes of the game. Wow, okay. So that means that the Rockets are actually playing some really competitive basketball uh, down late in these games, and it also means that of their se- seven of their nine wins have been, like, this close, like, you know, razor razor margin, razor, razor thin margin, I should say, down, down the wire. I can't talk. It's okay. Um, but one of those games that we just experienced, which I think is, you know, arguably the best win of the season for the Rockets was against the Milwaukee Bucks where they handled themselves way better than I thought. Like their composure late in that game was fantastic. And the tone for the entirety of that game was set by none other than Jabari Smith Jr. What did you see out of Jabari that, that, you know, impressed you against the Bucks and against Giannis. Oh, I'm clapping my hands. I'm rubbing my hands. I'm excited. This is this is what I was looking forward to all week, Jackson, talking about Jabari Smith. L- let me tell you something. I- I've been very giddy about Jabari Smith Jr. And after that game against Milwaukee, the sky's the limit for this kid. I legitimately think he can win defensive player of the year one day in the future. With the little Hakeem trophy on the inside. So the little the Hakeem Olajuwon yeah. defensive Look, player man, of the year. I love Hakeem. Hakeem is a goat to me, especially because, you know, being Muslim and all that award, by the way, as an aside, a defensive player of the year award, that's a paperweight. That's something I put on top of my paper in my office. Like when I print out synergy stats for the show and I don't want to lose them when the fan is going around, I put the Hakeem Olajuwon defensive player of the year trophy on top. Nah, of but for real, why did they no. go like so into so much detail for the MVP Jordan award? And then the other ones just look like they're all the exact same with just like the little gold figurine. I know why. Inside. Hey, I know why Jackson, because the media, the, the media hates the rockets, you know, <laughs> you know, they hate the rockets. Okay. 
There's a reason why the Rockies don't get any credit with the national media. Okay, Jackson. Sorry, oh I'm man, sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> for those, yeah, for those who can't see my face, I'm being very sarcastic. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they put in a lot more detail, but you know, congratulations to the goat himself, Mr. Hakeem Olajuwon, for uh, that uh, that award. But you know, b- back to Jabari because you know that's what we're excited to talk about here. I'm the locksmith. Milwaukee tried to attack him. Alicon's just not ready for all these drops that I have on the soundboard. Now he's like losing it. <laughs> Milwaukee tried to attack him by putting him in situations where Giannis could outmuscle him. Okay. So what does that mean? Okay. You can't form a wall when Giannis is in the post, right? Maybe, yeah, you could, you could crowd him a little bit. But you can't really form a wall, right? Because you form a wall in transition. So let's get the ball against Jabari, low left block. Giannis likes that spot. Let's back some Jabari Smith down. Back some down. Oh, wait. Jabari got it over a seven-foot length. Really hard for Giannis to get some shots off over Jabari. Oh, wait. I'm trying to turn baseline because, you know, Jabari has doesn't have that big of a frame just yet. Let me spin baseline. Oh, wait. Jabari steps over because he has his length to help him. Let me get back in transition. I'm going to run past you. Oh, wait. Jabari Smith is actually fast. Look at that. Goes up for a block. Jabari was everywhere. He stayed at the hip of Giannis. He watched the film. He saw the tendencies, and he actually delivered with his play on the court. You know, technique is really important as a defender in the NBA, and all these defensive player of the year candidates or all NBA team, yeah, they could be athletic, but let me be honest with you, most of them have wonderful technique. And Jabari Smith Jr. has great technique, and that's why I'm very high on him, and he displayed that. If you want a good technique performance and you're a nerd and you want to look at biomechanics, and technique, go back and watch his performance. Go watch those YouTube highlights against Giannis and look how well he played. Just a terrific overall game from, from Jabari against Giannis. And, you know, I'm not just excited about the individual defense, Jackson. You you noticed it too. We talked about this. He played well as a five. Now, he wasn't the five per se on the floor. There was another big with him. But the Bucks went to a lot of pick and roll, either – where Jabari was defending Giannis as a screener or a ball handler, and he was essentially that five in that in that setup, right, defending the screen. And he did a wonderful job, especially on drop coverage. And I just wanted to ask you, what are your thoughts about what you saw from him? Not in isolation, which is what we're all marveling at, but what he was doing with the team defense in pick and roll. I thought he did a good job, especially, like, when navigating the pick and rolls, right, kind of, like, hedging when he needed to, but also being able to kind of fight back and be kind of – in the passing lanes a little bit, we saw him blow up some possessions that way. His timing was really, really great. And even, like, his his ability to identify, right, in some of those key moments, like, okay, you know, there was a moment, like, late in the game where they switched on a pick and roll and Jabari had to pick up, like, Grayson Allen, right? So he's not actually, at that point, he's not defending Giannis anymore on that pick and roll. And, but what he did is he made, it was the play where they the, the Rockets blew up the play and KPJ actually was the one who wound up tipping the pass away from Giannis. But Jabari made that lob so difficult for Grayson Allen with his length, right? Knowing that, okay, I'm switched on to Grayson Allen now. So in in order to prevent like an easy lob over the top for Giannis, right? I need to make this pass as difficult as possible. So Jabari just had his length draped all over Grayson Allen. I, I just, I thought he did a good job there. And then he also, like by extension, the team did a good job. Like I felt like they gave him the help when he needed it, you know, call, you know, communicating, calling stuff out and pick and roll, understanding where guys are going to be. 
I thought that I thought it was a good team effort spearheaded by Giannis defend or sorry, spearheaded by Jabari on Giannis specifically. There was one possession, or it was actually it was multiple possessions. It was a chain of possessions. I highlighted this on Twitter as probably the best sequence of the Rocket season so far, right? Jalen hits the three. You know, Jabari's back in drop coverage, gets the steal, brings it up, lob, goes to KPJ, comes back. Jabari gets the block. Come, uh, Al Pete loses it. J, uh, Jabari gets it, tosses it up. Another dunk for KPJ. Best sequence, right? But those plays are what excite me by Jabari. Okay. Drop coverage. You're attacking him. Empty corner. Empty corner. What does empty corner mean for a defender? I'm in no man's land. Who am I going to help on? Not only did he lunge at the ball handler, he lunged back to the roll man and poked the ball away. That is a Draymond move. But why is Jabari so good at it? Because he has long, long, long hands, long arms, and he's able to poke and get low. He got he got so low to be able to get in that pass lane and poke that away. That was very impressive. Then he comes back. Next position in transition, right? He's celebrating. He's happy about the dunk. Comes back. Giannis trying to attack, take advantage of a young team, not playing transition defense. Blocks him, right? Brings the ball back up. That was awesome. That, blo- that, that block was a statement awesome. block. Like, like Giannis was very clearly trying to like kind of, you know, cut down the momentum, like, you know, calm things down, shut down, you know, shut up Toyota Center, all that. And yeah, and, and, fed directly into Jabari and Jabari was like, nah, we're not having any of that. Right. Like that's, that's where you start getting those glimpses for sure. Right. Of, and I, we've been talking about this all the way since back during summer league, Alicon, right. Is I had the belief that Jabari would be a, a plus NBA caliber defender and he would translate defensively right away. And then we saw summer league and we saw him play at the five in summer league. Right. And that was where my perception changed completely of him where, no, I think this guy can be your defensive anchor one day. Like this guy can be yeah, a, a, D, a DPOY type guy. You one and day. I have been and on this since day one. 100%. Yeah. There we go. What, what, we're, run, what, what, we're running, we're running the victory lap right now about Jabari Smith jr. You know, shutting down Giannis. No, I, I just, I just want our listeners to really, like go back and watch that clip and watch how he plays when you're playing an empty corner, it's hard for a five. It's really hard because you have to do multiple things. You have to account for multiple things at once. And he did a great job. Look, man, I'm, I'm very bullish on Jabari Smith jr. I'm, I think the sky's the limit for this kid and he's only 19 years old. Let him add his frame. Let him add muscle. It's going to take him a few years. It's not going to happen after one season. It's going to take a few years. He has to not only grow in muscle, he has to grow with his frame. He has to get wider as much as he gets bigger. And if that's the case, and he can do these things he's doing now with his size and his length, man, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't know what else to say, man. I don't I don't think I've ever seen Alec on this geeked about a player before. This is, this is hilarious. This is newfound territory here at LOR. Yeah. Jalen also played well. What a what a cop out! Jalen also played well. Jalen, it was it was great. I had people canvassing for the fact that like for the locked on Rockets player of the game, people wanted to split it in half and give half to Jabari for the defense and half to Jalen for the offense. Somebody so. called me a Jalen Green hater a few weeks ago, and I, I'm just gonna say, man, I am not a Jalen Green hater, Jackson. Ali Kabajani noted Jalen Green hater. That's how I'm introducing you on the very next podcast. I am not a Jalen Green hater. More than anything. All right. All right. Look, we've gone gone more than long enough on today's episode. Ali Khan, noted Jalen Green hater. You know the drill. Let everybody know where to track you down. Is your handle at I hate Jalen Green on Twitter? (laughs) You can follow me on Twitter at Rockets underscore insider. 
Follow us on Twitter as well, Locked On Rockets. On Instagram, follow us on Instagram at Locked On Rockets. Um, we'll talk to you guys next week. And that's going to do it for another edition of Locked On Rockets. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, free and available on all podcast platforms. We're also available on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked On Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.